Chapter Fifteen of Peveril of the Peak by Sir Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. What seemed its head the likeness of a kingly crown had on? Paradise Lost. Sodor or Holmpeel, so is named the castle to which our julian directed his course early on the following morning is one of those extraordinary monuments of antiquity with which this singular and interesting island abounds it occupies the whole of a high rocky peninsula or rather an island for it is surrounded by the sea at high water and scarcely accessible even when the tide is out although a stone causeway of great solidity erected for the express purpose connects the island with the mainland the whole space is surrounded by double walls of great strength and thickness and the access to the interior at the times which we treat of was only by two flights of steep and narrow steps divided from each other by a strong tower and guard-house under the former of which there is an entrance arch the open space within the walls extends to two acres and contains many objects worthy of antiquarian curiosity there were besides the castle itself two cathedral churches dedicated the earlier to st patrick the latter to st germain besides two smaller churches all of which had become even in that day more or less ruinous their decayed walls exhibiting the rude and massive architecture of the most remote period were composed of a ragged grey stone which formed a singular contrast with the bright red freestone of which the window-cases corner-stones arches and other ornamental parts of the building were composed besides these four ruinous churches the space of ground enclosed by the massive exterior walls of home peel exhibited many other vestiges of the olden time there was a square mound of earth facing with its angles to the points of the compass one of those moats as they were called on which in ancient times the northern tribes elected or recognized their chiefs and held their solemn popular assemblies or comitia there was also one of those singular towers so common in ireland as to have proved the favourite theme of her antiquaries but of which the real use and meaning seems yet to be hidden in the mist of ages this of home peel had been converted to the purpose of a watch-tower there were besides runic monuments of which legends could not be deciphered and later inscriptions to the memory of champions of whom the names only were preserved from oblivion but tradition and superstitious eld still most busy where real history is silent had filled up the long blank of accurate information with tales of sea-kings and pirates hebridean chiefs and norwegian resolutes who had formerly warred against and in defence of 
this famous castle superstition too had her tales of fairies ghosts and spectres her legions of saints and demons of fairies and of familiar spirits which in no corner of the british empire are told and received with more absolute credulity than in the isle of man amidst all these ruins of an older time arose the castle itself now ruinous but in charles the second's reign well garrisoned and in a military point of view kept in complete order it was a venerable and very ancient building containing several apartments of sufficient size and height to be termed noble but in the surrender of the island by christian the furniture had been in a great measure plundered or destroyed by the republican soldiers so that as we have before hinted its present state was ill adapted for the residence of the noble proprietor yet it had been often the abode not only of the lords of man but of those state prisoners whom the kings of britain sometimes committed to their charge in this castle of home peel the great king-maker richard earl of warwick was confined during one period of his eventful life to ruminate at leisure on his farther schemes of ambition and here too eleanor the haughty wife of the good duke of gloucester pined out in seclusion the last days of her banishment the sentinels pretended that her discontented spectre was often visible at night traversing the battlements of the external walls or standing motionless beside a particular solitary turret of one of the watch-towers with which they are flanked but dissolving into air at cock-crow or when the bell tolled from the yet remaining tower of st germain's church such was home peel as records inform us till towards the end of the seventeenth century it was in one of the lofty but almost unfurnished apartments of this ancient castle that julian peveril found his friend the earl of derby who had that moment sat down to a breakfast composed of various sorts of fish welcome most imperial julian he said welcome to our royal fortress in which as yet we are not like to be starved with hunger though well-nigh dead for cold julian answered by inquiring the meaning of this sudden movement upon my word replied the earl you know nearly as much of it as i do my mother has told me nothing about it supposing i believe that i shall at length be tempted to inquire but she will find herself much mistaken i shall give her credit for full wisdom in her proceedings rather than put her to the trouble to render a reason though no woman can render one better come come this is affectation my good friend said julian you should inquire into these matters a little more curiously to what purpose said the earl to hear old stories about the tin-walled laws and the contending rights of the lords and the clergy and all the rest of that celtic barbarism which like burgess's thorough-paced doctrine enters at one ear paces through and goes out the other 
come my lord said julian you are not so indifferent as you would represent yourself you are dying of curiosity to know what this hurry is about only you think it the courtly humour to appear careless about your own affairs why what should it be about said the young earl unless some factious dispute between our majesty's minister governor noel and our vassals or perhaps some dispute betwixt our majesty and the ecclesiastical jurisdictions for all which our majesty cares as little as any king in christendom i rather suppose there is intelligence from england said julian i heard last night in peel town that greenhall is come over with unpleasant news he brought me nothing that was pleasant i wot well said the earl i expected something from st evermond or hamilton some new plays by dryden or lee and some waggery or lampoons from the rose coffee-house and the fellow has brought me nothing but a parcel of tracts about protestants and papists and a folio playbook one of the conceptions as she calls them of that old mad woman the duchess of newcastle hush my lord for heaven's sake said peveril here comes the countess and you know she takes fire at the least slight to her ancient friend let her read her ancient friend's works herself then said the earl and think her as wise as she can but i would not give one of waller's songs or denham's satires for a whole cartload of her grace's trash but here comes our mother with care on her brow the countess of derby entered the apartment accordingly holding in her hand a number of papers her dress was a mourning habit with a deep train of black velvet which was borne by a little favourite attendant a deaf and dumb girl whom in compassion to her misfortune the countess had educated about her person for some years upon this unfortunate being with the touch of romance which marked many of her proceedings lady derby had conferred the name of fenella after some ancient princess of the island the countess herself was not much changed since we last presented her to our readers age had rendered her step more slow but not less majestic and while it traced some wrinkles on her brow had failed to quench the sedate fire of her dark eye the young man rose to receive her with the formal reverence which they knew she loved and were greeted by her with equal kindness cousin peveril she said for so she always called julian in respect of his mother being a kinswoman of her husband you were ill abroad last night when we much needed your counsel julian answered with a blush which he could not prevent that he had followed his sport among the mountains too far had returned late and finding her ladyship was removed from castletown had instantly followed the family hither but as the night-bell was rung and the watch sat he had deemed it more respectful to lodge for the night in the town it is well said the countess and to do you justice julian 
you are seldom a truant neglecter of appointed hours though like the rest of the youth of this age you sometimes suffer your sports to consume too much of time that should be spent otherwise but for your friend philip he is an avowed contemner of good order and seems to find pleasure in wasting time even when he does not enjoy it i have been enjoying my time just now at least said the earl rising from table and picking his teeth carelessly these fresh mullets are delicious and so is the lacrime christi i pray you to sit down to breakfast julian and partake the goods my royal foresight has provided never was king of man nearer being left to the mercy of the execrable brandy of his dominions old griffiths would never in the midst of our speedy retreat of last night have had sense enough to secure a few flasks had i not given him a hint on that important subject but presence of mind amid danger and tumult is a jewel i have always possessed i wish then philip you would exert it to better purpose said the countess half smiling half displeased for she doted upon her son with all a mother's fondness even when she was most angry with him for being deficient in the peculiar and chivalrous disposition which had distinguished his father and which was so analogous to her own romantic and high-minded character lend me your signet she added with a sigh for it were i fear vain to ask you to read over these dispatches from england and execute the warrants which i have thought necessary to prepare in consequence my signet you shall command with all my heart madam said earl philip but spare me the revision of what you are much more capable to decide upon i am you know a most complete roy finant and never once interfered with my mare de palais in her proceedings the countess made signs to her little train-bearer who immediately went to seek for wax and a light with which she presently returned in the meanwhile the countess continued addressing peveril philip does himself less than justice when you were absent julian for if you had been here i would have given you the credit of prompting your friend he had a spirited controversy with the bishop for an attempt to enforce spiritual censures against a poor wretch by confining her in the vault under the chapel do not think better of me than i deserve said the earl to peveril my mother has omitted to tell you the culprit was pretty peggy of ramsay and her crime what in cupid's courts would have been called a peccadillo do not make yourself worse than you are replied peveril who observed the countess's cheek redden you know you would have done as much for the oldest and poorest cripple in the island why the vault is under the burial-ground of the chapel and for aught i know under the ocean itself such a roaring do the waves make in its vicinity i think no one could remain there long and retain his reason it is an infernal hole 
answered the earl and i will have it built up one day that is full certain but hold hold for god's sake madam what are you going to do look at the seal before you put it to the warrant you will see it is a choice antique cameo cupid riding on a flying fish i had it for twenty seconds from signor furabosco at rome a most curious matter for an antiquary but which will add little faith to a manx warrant my signet my signet oh you mean that with the three monstrous legs which i supposed was devised as the most preposterous device to represent our most absurd majesty of man the signet i have not seen it since i gave it to gibbon my monkey to play with he did whine for it most piteously i hope he has not gemmed the green breast of ocean with my symbol of sovereignty now by heaven said the countess trembling and colouring deeply with anger it was your father's signet the last pledge which he sent with his love to me and his blessing to thee the night before they murdered him at bolton mother dearest mother said the earl startled out of his apathy and taking her hand which he kissed tenderly i did but jest the signet is safe peveril knows that it is so go fetch it julian for heaven's sake here are my keys it is in the left-hand drawer of my travelling cabinet nay mother forgive me it was but a mauvais pleasantry only an ill-imagined jest ungracious and in bad taste i allow but only one of philip's follies look at me dearest mother and forgive me the countess turned her eyes towards him from which the tears were fast falling philip she said you try me too unkindly and too severely if times are changed as i have heard you allege if the dignity of rank and the high feelings of honour and duty are now drowned in giddy jests and trifling pursuits let me at least who lived secluded from all others die without perceiving the change which has happened and above all without perceiving it in mine own son let me not learn the general prevalence of this levity which laughs at every sense of dignity or duty through your personal disrespect let me not think that when i die speak nothing of it mother said the earl interrupting her affectionately it is true i cannot promise to be all my father and his fathers were for we wear silk vests for their still coats and feathered beavers for their crested helmets but believe me though to be an absolute palmerin of england is not in my nature no son ever loved a mother more dearly or would do more to oblige her and that you may own this i will forthwith not only seal the warrants to the great endangerment of my precious fingers but also read the same from end to end as well as the dispatches thereunto appertaining 
a mother is easily appeased even when most offended and it was with an expanding heart that the countess saw her son's very handsome features while reading these papers settle into an expression of deep seriousness such as they seldom wore it seemed to her as if the family likeness to his gallant but unfortunate father increased when the expression of their countenances became similar in gravity the earl had no sooner perused the dispatches which he did with great attention than he rose and said julian come with me the countess looked surprised i was wont to share your father's counsels my son he said but do not think that i wish to intrude myself upon yours i am too well pleased to see you assume the power and the duty of thinking for yourself which is what i have so long urged you to do nevertheless my experience who have been so long administrator of your authority in man might not i think be superfluous to the matter in hand hold me excused dearest mother said the earl gravely the interference was none of my seeking had you taken your own course without consulting me it had been well but since i have entered on the affair and it appears sufficiently important i must transact it to the best of my own ability go then my son said the countess and may heaven enlighten thee with its counsel since thou wilt have none of mine i trust that you master peveril will remind him of what is fit for his own honour and that only a coward abandons his rights and only a fool trusts his enemies the earl answered not but taking peveril by the arm led him up a winding stair to his own apartment and from thence into a projecting turret where amidst the roar of waves and sea-mews clang he held with him the following conversation peveril it is well i looked into these warrants my mother queens it at such a rate as may cost me not only my crown which i care little for but perhaps my head which though others may think little of i would feel it an inconvenience to be deprived of what on earth is the matter said peveril with considerable anxiety it seems said the earl of derby that old england who takes a frolicsome brain-fever once every two or three years for the benefit of her doctors and the purification of the torpid lethargy brought on by peace and prosperity is now gone stark staring mad on the subject of a real or supposed popish plot i read one programme on the subject by a fellow called oates and thought it the most absurd foolery i ever perused but that cunning fellow shaftesbury and some others amongst the great ones have taken it up and are driving on at such a rate as makes harness crack and horses smoke for it the king who has sworn never to kiss the pillow his father went to sleep on temporizes and gives way to the current the duke of york suspected and hated on account of his religion is about to be driven to the continent 
several principal catholic nobles are in the tower already and the nation like a bull at tutbury running is persecuted with so many inflammatory rumours and pestilent pamphlets that she has cocked her tail flung up her heels taken the bit betwixt her teeth and is as furiously unmanageable as in the year sixteen forty two all this you must have known already said peveril i wonder you told me not of news so important i would have taken long to tell said the earl moreover i desired to have you solace thirdly i was about to speak when my mother entered and to conclude it was no business of mine but these dispatches of my politic mother's private correspondent put a new face on the whole matter for it seems some of the informers a trade which having become a thriving one is now pursued by many have dared to glance at the countess herself as an agent in this same plot ay and have found those that are willing enough to believe their report on mine honour said peveril you both take it with great coolness i think the countess the more composed of the two for except her movement hither she exhibited no mark of alarm and moreover seemed no way more anxious to communicate the matter to your lordship than decency rendered necessary my good mother said the earl loves power though it has cost her dear i wish i could truly say that my neglect of business is entirely assumed in order to leave it in her hands but that better motive combines with natural indolence but she seems to have feared i should not think exactly like her in this emergency and she was right in supposing so how comes the emergency upon you said julian and what form does the danger assume mary thus it is said the earl i need not bid you remember the affair of colonel christian that man besides his widow who is possessed of large property dame christian of kirk Truah, whom you have often heard of and perhaps seen left a brother called edward christian whom you never saw at all now this brother but i dare say you know all about it not i on my honour said peveril you know the countess seldom or never alludes to the subject why replied the earl i believe in her heart she is something ashamed of that gallant act of royalty and supreme jurisdiction the consequences of which maimed my estate so cruelly well cousin this same edward christian was one of the dempsters at the time and naturally enough was unwilling to concur in the sentence which adjudged his ane to be shot like a dog my mother who was then in high force and not to be controlled by any one would have served the dempster with the same sauce with which she dressed his brother had he not been wise enough to fly from the island since that time the thing has slept on all hands and though we knew that dempster christian made occasionally secret visits to his friends in the island along with two or three other puritans of the same stamp 
and particularly a prick-eared rogue called bridgenorth brother-in-law to the deceased yet my mother thank heaven has hitherto had the sense to connive at them though for some reason or other she holds this bridgenorth in especial disfavour and why said peveril forcing himself to speak in order to conceal the very unpleasant surprise which he felt why does the countess now depart from so prudent a line of conduct you must know the case is now different the rogues are not satisfied with toleration they would have supremacy they have found friends in the present heat of the popular mind my mother's name and especially that of her confessor aldrich the jesuit have been mentioned in this beautiful maze of a plot which if any such at all exists she knows as little of as you or i however she is a catholic and that is enough and i have little doubt that if the fellows could seize on our scrap of a kingdom here and cut all our throats they would have the thanks of the present house of commons as willingly as old christian had those of the rump for a similar service from whence did you receive all this information said peveril again speaking though by the same effort which a man makes who talks in his sleep aldrich has seen the duke of york in secret and his royal highness who wept while he confessed his want of power to protect his friends and it is no trifle will wring tears from him told him to send us information that we should look to our safety for that dempster christian and bridgenorth were in the island with secret and severe orders that they had formed a considerable party there and were likely to be owned and protected in anything they might undertake against us the people of ramsey and castletown are unluckily discontented about some new regulation of the imposts and to tell you the truth though i thought yesterday's sudden remove a whim of my mother's i am almost satisfied they would have blockaded us in russian castle where we could not have held out for lack of provisions here we are better supplied and as we are on our guard it is likely the intended rising will not take place and what is to be done in this emergency said peveril that is the very question my gentle coz answered the earl my mother sees but one way of going to work and that is by royal authority here are the warrants she had prepared to search for take and apprehend the bodies of edward christian and robert no ralph bridgenorth and bring them to instant trial no doubt she would soon have had them in the castle court with a dozen of the old matchlocks levelled against them that is her way of solving all sudden difficulties but in which i trust you do not acquiesce my lord answered peveril whose thoughts instantly reverted to alice if they could ever be said to be absent from her truly i acquiesce in no such matter said the earl william christian's death 
cost me a fair half of my inheritance i have no fancy to fall under the displeasure of my royal brother king charles for a new escapade of the same kind but how to pacify my mother i know not i wish the insurrection would take place and then as we are better provided than they can be we might knock the knaves on the head and yet since they began the fray we should keep the law on our side were it not better said peveril if by any means these men could be induced to quit the island surely replied the earl but that will be no easy matter they are stubborn on principle and empty threats will not move them this storm-blast in london is wind in their sails and they will run their length you may depend on it i have sent orders however to clap up the manxmen upon whose assistance they depended and if i can find the two worthies themselves here are sloops enough in the harbour i will take the freedom to send them on a pretty distant voyage and i hope matters will be settled before they return to give an account of it at this moment a soldier belonging to the garrison approached the two young men with many bows and tokens of respect how now friend said the earl to him leave off thy courtesies and tell thy business the man who was a native islander answered in manx that he had a letter for his honour master julian peveril julian snatched the billet hastily and asked whence it came it was delivered to him by a young woman the soldier replied who had given him a piece of money to deliver it into master peveril's own hand thou art a lucky fellow julian said the earl with that grave brow of thine and thy character for sobriety and early wisdom you set the girls a-wooing without waiting till they are asked whilst i their drudge and vassal waste both language and leisure without getting a kind word or look far less a billet due this the young earl said with a smile of conscious triumph as in fact he valued himself not a little upon the interest which he supposed himself to possess with the fair sex meanwhile the letter impressed on peveril a different train of thoughts from what his companion apprehended it was in alice's hand and contained these few words i fear what i am going to do is wrong but i must see you meet me at noon at goddard crovens stone with as much secrecy as you may the letter was signed only with the initials a b but julian had no difficulty in recognizing the handwriting which he had often seen and which was remarkably beautiful he stood suspended for he saw the difficulty and impropriety of withdrawing himself from the countess and his friend at this moment of impending danger and yet to neglect this invitation was not to be thought of he paused in the utmost perplexity shall i read your riddle said the earl go where love calls you i will make an excuse to my mother only most grave anchorite be hereafter more indulgent to the failings of others than you have been hitherto and blaspheme not the power of the little deity 
nay but cousin derby said peveril and stopped short for he really knew not what to say secured himself by a virtuous passion from the contagious influence of the time he had seen with regret his noble kinsman mingle more in its irregularities than he approved of and had sometimes played the part of a monitor circumstances seemed at present to give the earl a right of retaliation he kept his eye fixed on his friend as if he waited till he should complete his sentence and at length exclaimed what cousin quite a la mort oh most judicious julian oh most precise peveril have you bestowed so much wisdom on me that you have none left for yourself come be frank tell me name and place or say but the colour of the eyes of the most emphatic she or do but let me have the pleasure to hear thee say i love confess one touch of human frailty conjugate the verb amo and i will be a gentle schoolmaster and you shall have as father richards used to say when we were under his fair rule licentia exundi enjoy your pleasant humour at my expense my lord said peveril i fairly will confess thus much that i would fain if it consisted with my honour and your safety have two hours at my own disposal the more especially as the manner in which i shall employ them may much concern the safety of the island very likely i dare say answered the earl still laughing no doubt you are summoned out by some lady politic would-be of the isle to talk over some of the breast laws but never mind go and go speedily that you may return as quickly as possible i expect no immediate explosion of this grand conspiracy when the rogues see us on our guard they will be cautious how they break out only once more make haste peveril thought this last advice was not to be neglected and glad to extricate himself from the raillery of his cousin walked down towards the gate of the castle meaning to cross over to the village and there take horse at the earl's stables for the place of rendezvous End of chapter fifteen